Welcome to episode 265 of Sonic Talk, the uh, audio, music, technology and electronic music production and kind of various stuff podcast. We're recording today, Wednesday, the 9th of May 2012 and uh, we'll be live, well we are in fact streaming live via uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live where there's a live stream, live chat room uh, where there's plenty of people joining us which uh, I'm happy to see and also uh, available via podcast uh, which you'll probably know already if you're listening to this so it's probably not worth mentioning anything. Anyway, I want to say hello, welcome to what is so far uh, my only guest is Rich Hilton there, uh, over there in sunny Connecticut uh, from uh, Hiltonius.com. Rich is, of course, the the man who drives uh, Nile Rogers' private studio and also uh, is is a chic band member, in fact, going to be out on the road quite a lot, Rich, by the looks of things, this uh, this coming summer. Yes, we're... uh... We're keeping his promise. We're touring more than the band ever did before this year. Wow. And, is uh, there a reason for that? Is it just kind of, you know, because the gigs are there and you fancy a bit of a jolly, or is it uh, uh, you're tying, tying it in with various visits to relatives? <laughs> no, no. It's more to do, I think, with uh, Mr. Rogers' renewed appreciation for life and uh, wish to play these songs for people. I it's, guess that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, he just really, and I think we all do now. And you see it a lot in guys, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, our age, where they really come to uh, reflectively appreciate the opportunity aspect of it and that which they've done before. And so you see a lot of reunion gigs going on where guys who couldn't speak to each other 20 years ago were suddenly like in the same room making deals to go on the road for six months at a time. And so uh, in our case, we've been on the road, you know, all those years and everything. But still, uh, his uh, his approach to it, his wish to spread the gospel of these songs has only increased. And uh, we're going to go and hit it all over Europe and the UK. And it's going to be quite a tour. It's going to be a lot. Sounds like a great uh, a lot of fun and i guess the more you do it the more you kind of get tuned into that whole kind of life on the road and everything kind of becomes more tuned to the way you want it and you can kind of make sure that you know things that things are working right whereas if you just have long long gaps between gigs the whole travel thing the routine you have to build it up again don't you it doesn't sort of immediately just come to come to you or am i yeah well to some extent yeah that's true too as far as the band continuity and the musical continuity of the show we've just come back from playing the four consecutive nights at the Tokyo Blue Note where you play two shows a night for four nights in a row, and there's nothing that tightens up your show. Yeah, I can imagine. Like playing eight, you know, hour and a half shows in a row across four nights, you know, plus the sound check the first day, which ends up being pretty much of a show. And uh, it really brings things together and into focus. And now I think the band's in a really good place. And we'll, we'll go uh, next week to Curacao for one show and to Texas. And uh, then we'll come home. Wow, Curacao to Texas. There's a kind of like, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, consecutive days, no less. So the second of those is a travel day from Curacao to Texas and the gig, whatever, three hours after we arrive. Wow. That's some pretty yeah. slick planning right there. <laughs> Jeez. It'll be uh, exciting. Have you? It'll so what, are you still using your Roland RD um, setup or have you got? Yes, I'm using RD700s. Uh, my preferred one is the GX. Uh, and as long as I have at least one of those, I'm generally pretty happy. Although I have managed now to duplicate the programming from the GX in the SX. And so I'm I'm equally happy with either of those. And if I have to uh, use an NX, I'll put it up on top. And uh, But uh, yes, I like them. I like the way they feel to play. They Excellent. respond well. Excellent. Well, I'm wondering how one, uh, how you might consider getting on with uh, one of these. Uh, this is the first topic, which I think you'll find. I'm not sure how you'll find it, but I'm going to play it for you anyway, Rich. So here it comes. Yamaha has developed the Vercoil keyboard 
which enables real-time performances of synthesized vocaloid singing by entering Japanese lyrics and pitch simultaneously. This keyboard is optimized for entering Japanese characters with one hand. It has 16 buttons for consonants, vowels, and the two types of voicing marks. The user enters those with the left hand while playing the keys with the right. This makes it possible to synthesize singing using the hardware alone. Now, the first question is, well, uh, first of all, I want to say thanks to Azzy Head in the chat room for sending in this. He sent a couple of topics in this week and uh, was uh, on fire, frankly, and well, I was struggling myself to find any. <laughs> so uh, I thought this would be a kind of fun one uh, to begin with. Now, Rich, um, I'm guessing that um, being the sensible gentleman that you are, you will have uh, considered um, possibly what would be the purpose of this? Because to me, that look, this is the Yamaha. It's a prototype. It's never going to be made, uh, or it's not being made at the moment. There are no plans to. Uh, but that was, uh, that's kind of a bit mind-blowing. It looks really hard to play. Wouldn't it just be easier to use a vocoder? Uh, perhaps it would. There are other ways to skin the artistic cat that this <laughs> seeks to address. But... I thought this was a brilliant product and really enjoyed that man's demonstration of it and explanation of its reason for being. Because it was so beautifully and wonderfully Japanese and it's so specifically directed towards a Japanese style market and way of thinking that I really, really enjoyed the product and his ability to get things going on it. And they make no bones about the fact that you're going to have to work a while to develop the kind of proficiency you need to coordinate the actions of your left hand on those buttons yeah. with the multi-tech actions of your right hand in order to be able to achieve proper phonetics in whatever Japanese. Now, and that's the, the difficulty for us is that we can't really interpret how well it's doing because it's doing yeah, it in Japanese. Of course. Yeah, no, uh, we, so would, we don't we... know how well it's doing. So for me, it's a very interesting product. And what I really like about it is that it shows that even the big companies are still looking to push themselves into new areas and develop new modes of expression. And uh, as I said, I just really enjoyed it myself. Well, that's good. I'm glad you did because um, I I was think I was looking I was reading up on it. I mean, we've spoken about Vocaloid in the past. I mean, it's this massive phenomenon, isn't it? That we're just kind of it's really uh, I, I find kind of not visiting Japan very often, only once perhaps in my life. I can't really uh, appreciate just how big the whole Vocaloid thing. What's the artist? Uh, what's her name? Uh, she's called Hatsune Miku, who is uh, like the sort of huge. Uh, vocaloid style artist that appears in animation and you know does gig giant gigs like it's just absolutely massive i mean it's never really taken off so much in the uk i mean now that you know people are using vocoders and there's all this ability to sort of shape vocals uh, to that degree with uh things like you know or uh, not auto-tune but perhaps auto-tune and perhaps also uh ceremony melody and that kind of thing just to manipulate things to such a degree it's a very highly stylized art form isn't it i mean it really doesn't kind of uh um doesn't make sense perhaps to my ear, but I think perhaps you got it more than me. Is it, I mean, you're going to, you've been in Japan well, for a while. Is it, is it as big as, you know, as they say it is? Cause I mean, I would never know. Well, I don't even know about that and I'm not connecting it to the social phenomenon of having Vocaloid based concerts and things of that. nature. I'm not even connected to any of that. What I mean about it being a Japanese idea is the gentleman explains that, um, they've researched a part of their market base that wants to be able to use Vocaloid-style uh, performance without, without having to launch a DAW because some of them don't enjoy working in a DAW environment. They just want to sit there and play right. Vocaloid. Right, right. I got you. And I, that, the part of it that strikes me as brilliantly Japanese and very intelligent is that they did that market research within their own marketplace and developed a product specifically to service that need because they could. <laughs> and then they had to bring, you know, create a left-hand interface that's sort of like, you know, in my world, something like the buttons on an accordion. I mean, yeah. in terms of the way you interact with them, although the accordion buttons, of course, trigger combinations of reads, but that's determining the result of what you're about to do with your right hand. And uh, I find that really interesting. And like I said, 
you know, he he gave a really nice, clear and uh, kind explanation of what it was and why they developed it. And it all made sense to me. And I can't tell how it sounds because I don't understand Japanese. <laughs> the uh, one thing I didn't realize, apparently Hatsune Miku, the brand, uh, you know, of that kind of artist, you know, they're, they're on a par with like Madonna, Lady Gaga, that, that sort of size massive, which is kind of would understand, you know, can understand why there would be all this focus on, on uh, producing this technology. But uh, yes, I suppose it's a little bit curious to the outsider, but um, definitely an interesting use of that technology i mean i'm guessing really i i'm i'm assuming that that's pure you know essentially it's a, it's a sort of hardware control for a bit of software because presumably program i've not used vocalizer to program but you have to do it on a grid don't you it's kind of like quite meticulous if you're doing it in software from what i re- recall i don't i've never used it so i don't know what's involved Okay, well, anyway, if you want to check that out, um, I think I saw that on the ZDNet site. Um, uh, Perhaps you could do a sonicstate.com Vocaloid competition where they all get to go up against Kent's theme. Maybe so. There seems to be that now that we've reaching a, we're reaching a wider audience via, uh, the, via the YouTube posts, there seems to be a bit of a rebellion of the uh, current theme tune. So I might really? feel like, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of pressure to kind of like come to, to, to uh, freshen it up already, you know? How's the, how long have we had it? Freshen it up. Exactly. What can I say? Uh, you know who you are, you people out there. I, I only guess it only takes one or two people, and then suddenly it seems like everybody wants it, but it's not, not necessarily the case. Right, um, so what's next? Um, the next thing, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play this. I will try, but this is kind of interesting. This is... Um, this is, I, I purely put this in because, well, I didn't purely put it in just for this, but this, again, is another sort of synthesized uh, or, or robotic kind of tune. Uh, I can use, because uh, it has the title Baroque in it, I can use the uh, strap line Baroque and Roll, which I always uh, like to whenever I get the opportunity. And this is basically, um, if I can play, I, I might be able to play this video. And um, let's, oh, no, that's, I have to press this button and let's see if this will work. That's a short excerpt. Um, there, there's some great stuff there with the... It sounds a little bit sort of um, uh, gaseous, shall we say. But it's an amazing technology. This company, um, Festo, who are essentially, uh, if I scroll down, they, they've made loads of really interesting kind of mad robotic doodars. Uh, the, the, repel, the thing that repels it, propels itself by flipping inside, inside out. And I think they may have had some, uh, something to do with that. We did something of the robotic singer. Do you remember with the latex face that was really, really disturbing? Uh, um, but this is um, essentially what, it's, what it does is it, they say that it can... There's five discrete robots that they work together in a system devised by Festo. And they um, what they can do is listen... Now, let me see. They listen to a musician play a tune and then break it down to a five-part version that, while it differs from the original, still retains the essence of the composition, uh, which I thought was kind of, uh, you know, is that possible? Um, it did bring up another question. Uh, I did make another note of it here. Uh, each one has only one string with an actuator rate acting as a finger pressing down the string. The tones are designed to mimic traditional string quintet. Now, you know, whatever you think about the tone of that, I mean, first of all, do you think it kind of, you know, captured in any way anything that that uh, uh, warrants merit? I suppose is uh, the first the first question. Yes, absolutely. And the next question was, what do you? I mean, it seems to me that this style of music, where you've got counterpoint and harmony that are governed by very very strict musical rules, you know, the, in the in the true sort of the, uh, particularly Baroque style, but certainly in, uh, Mozart and Bach and the, the kind of old school composers who 
used the those rules very specifically. I mean, obviously they broke the rules as well. Do you think that there's actually there could be this could go further? I mean, is there any reason why you shouldn't just be able to play a bunch of chords into like a piece of software and have it actually arrange it in uh, a counterpoint style or whatever in 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 a very authentic fashion? I mean, I, I haven't seen that. It seems like it might be a really good idea to me. Me too. And apparently it was a good idea to Pat Metheny because he took that huge machine orchestrion on tour and that's exactly what it did. Yeah, but it had to, he had to program it presumably to do all of that stuff, right? Well, nobody's playing these things in real time. I mean, although you could. And he is able to, in fact, perform on that machine in real time and he does so from the stage. He's playing marimba from the guitar at times. Ah, okay, yes, because he's driving, yeah, he's doing that. And there's a whole set of pneumatic drivers with, you know, pre-positioned mallets. And it was an entire stage of mechanical musical instrument. And the vast majority of it is him playing guitar along with programming of his piece across this machine. But still, it's like the ultimate 21st century Nickelodeon. It's unbelievable to me. And uh, this stuff fascinates me. He had instruments very much like these. If they weren't these... They were almost identical because they had these solenoid-driven uh, things running up and down fixed necks like that. Now, what they don't show you very well in this video is how the bowed instruments are being triggered. You can see things being struck by various things like piano hammers and other uh, devices, but you don't get the uh, more legato it almost sounded horn-like. Yeah, I, that's what I... It's almost, there was some f almost filter. I would be really intrigued to know how they did achieve that because it did almost have this sort of... Uh, there was more tone than you would expect from just a piece of metal and a piece... Do you see what I mean? It seemed to be tonally quite variant. But what it tells you is just how much the shell of a cello affects what it ultimately sounds like to us. Yeah. Um, well, they do seem to have, like, resonant things at the bottom don't they i mean if you look at yeah i'm not sure if that's just the motor system that runs the thing that sends the thing up and down ah uh, okay yeah yeah or yeah, yeah. i don't know if that has anything to do with resonating oh i don't know actually. i tend to think that's where the motor that drives this thing is located oh perhaps you're right yeah but in the case of methanies they didn't sound like stringed instruments well they sort of sounded like string instruments, but they also sort of sounded like horn instruments. They weren't that dissimilar to these, and it may even be the same thing. And he had some of those across the front of the stage in front of about, you know, 30 or 40 other instruments, some of them massive, including pianos and marimbas and things like that, drums, basses, guitars, acoustic guitars, up there on the wall being played by solenoids. It was really quite remarkable. So um, I'm not in any way... Uh, meaning to trivialize their work with this. And in fact, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's very well suited to counterpoint styles of presentation and but things it, where I, actual I, I mean, I think my, my point is, is, you know, is that, do you know of any kind of software that can do this, that can deconstruct something that you might play, like a chord sequence and a top line, and then it go, right, give me that, I can arrange this uh, in, in, those sort of in a traditional style or in the style of. I mean, they, did they used to, I mean, I'm sure I remember sort of um, band in a box and stuff like that used to have complex styles. And I guess some of the arranger keyboards do this. But it struck me that there wasn't much that would actually be very, you know, specific to kind of take a tune and go, right, here's how I can count. Because the thing that fascinates me about counterpoint and harmony is the way that the the central note can be implied by two completely, no, two notes that are not it. And I, I just, got, kind of blows well, me yeah. away. You try to do it in as few voices as possible to express the harmony, but to, and keep it as open as possible, and you don't need to express every note in, say, a 13 chord. But it's no different than when I did uh, carousel music for Beverly Hills Cop 3 on uh, Synclavier, where I was able to go into the Paramount Library and get sheet music out and rearrange it in counterpoint within the Synclavier so that it played what was my little virtual... Uh, carousel right. machine that played the music for that. I mean, it's on a programming level. It's the same thing as doing that. Yeah. But that's what I mean. But I, I can't, I'm surprised that nobody has done this. I guess it's a fairly niche. <laughs> I actually did it. I did that in 1994. Ah, he actually brought mechanical on the road like a year or two ago. And I brought both of my kids mm. to see it and he toured the world. He actually shipped it to Europe, I think. 
Yeah, and so I used to, no, I was we talked about that, Pat, didn't we? We were wondering it was Pat how, versus the machine. It's how like on earth? How on earth would you thing. after it's been across across the uh, Atlantic? You know, having some detect that and get it working again and tinker with it and coax it back into uh, some sort of semblance of life. But yeah, right. Yeah, because any given night, you know, there's got to be a section of it that isn't working properly. <laughs> exactly. I wonder if you just if if that's you, whether you then just kind of go. Hey, you know what? We'll have to reorganize it, or maybe not do that number, or leave that bit out, or whether it's flexible enough to be able to do that stuff. I mean, it must be an element of ability to modify it on the fly. Otherwise, you know, you'd be ruined by not having enough grommets or whatever it was that you were missing. You know, I suppose so because he does create pieces on stage as part of the show, right? Where he triggers different instruments. He's able to switch which instrument he's going to trigger next. Uh, that's what it is. In the chat room, actually, I think um, Rapscallion uh, has got the idea of what I was getting at, which was the idea of plugins for things like Notion software and uh, what's the Sibelius that you can you, you get oh. a style plugin. So you can just kind of go, right, here's a melody right now. Arrange me a five part string quartet around that melody for me you know and then i will tinker with it and and see what it is. baroque drum machines that's a good but yeah that's, yeah, that's kind of what us. that's There's what i was part of me that says god help us that's what i was getting at so you could essentially put in a line and it'll just go right here's a suggestion for how it should be arranged in the style of what if you just hire guys who know how to do that i can't afford that kind of thing it was more <laughs> But yeah, there is, there is. Obviously, that's that's why you hire orchestrators. Okay, that's fair enough. I forget it. I I I I, I see what you mean. I, is I understand. that really what we're after? I mean, that's cool. No, I, I suppose not. I just it just I'm down. But it just got uh, me. I, that, and I, do I really believe you'll get as good a result? No, and not because it would be me doing it or anybody I knew. It's just because I don't think that randomly selecting melodic notes just because they're correct within a four-part structure is necessarily the way to write music. Right. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you start with a basis uh, as a living, breathing human being of what melody should be, and yeah. you try to at least make something within that framework melodic. And you support, you use other voices to support what that melody is. And if you're Bach, you got four of them going at the same time. But um, to create software to do that, I don't know. But right. that's like creating software to paint the Mona Lisa. Yes, I suppose you're right. Uh, I like this one. Um, this was. Um baroque karaoke that's a great that's a great phrase that might be a title there that's Bartle. <laughs> anyway um okay well right now i think we're just going to say thank you very much to our sponsor uh and those of you who are watching the video uh stream of our uh of our show will be treated to some uh, beautiful graphics of the what is the yamaha o1v96i which is Yamaha's compact digital mixer. In fact, I have one here in the office. It's just been uh, delivered that I'm going to be reviewing. OMV96i is a very compact digital mixing console with moving flying faders. It's also got 16 in, 16 out on USB 2.0, which is I'm really looking forward to trying out there uh, so I can record uh, direct in and out, and that can all be routed in and out of channels as you wish. Uh, Refined studio quality head amps, as we've said uh, before, these are the same ones that are in the uh, the latest Steinberg interfaces that... uh, Certainly, I know PJ's been very interested in. Uh, and also uh, ADAT out at IO, ADAT 8-channel IO, 16 analog inputs, a date digital inputs, 40 mixed channels. There's also VCM effects. Now, these are the sort of extra DSP on board that allows you to run things like channel strips, like amp sims, compressors, EQs, uh, time-based effects, all sorts of interesting effects there that are kind of powered by the mixer. So it sort of takes the power away from needing on the computer. So if you hooked this up with a laptop and ran 16 IO into it, there's all sorts of stuff that you could you could achieve. But once again, um, we want to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, if you want to check out the 01v96i. Uh, we made a bit.ly URL, which is bit.ly slash 01v96i. That's 01v96i. So, uh, once again, we thank the Yamaha for the continued sponsor of the show. I think I already said that, didn't I? Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot a couple of other things. You can have up to four effects simultaneously, uh, 24-bit, 44-1, and 48K. Uh, advanced door support uh, where you could use it as a control surface for Cubase, Nuendo, Logic, Pro Tools, etc. Uh, in fact, it comes with Cubase AI. It's got a mini YGDAI expansion slot. Uh, I want to say thank Peter Peck for writing and telling me how to pronounce that. I didn't have his pronunciation. I think it's called IGDAI. 
how you, how you say it. I'm not going to say Y-G-D-A-I. Anyway, once again, the Yamaha O1V96i. Do check it out. A dealer near you. Uh, if you go to one of the Pulse stores, which are stores within stores in the UK or one of the larger U, uh, Yamaha dealers in the US, they should have one for you to get your hands on and try it out. So um, let me see. What have we got next? I'll go back here. Uh, uh, this was pretty cool. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try and run this. I've got this set up. I don't know if Rich, have you got this on your on a machine that you can uh, you can maybe get this to work? I'm gonna go well, here. First, you got to tell me what it is. Oh, this that, is yes. Plink Plink by Dynamo. Absolutely. Now this yeah, 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 I'm gonna try, I'm gonna attempt now to uh, to see if I can uh, get this running. So uh, what this? Let me see. So this is in the browser. I'm gonna call myself Sneaky Sonic. And let's see what happens. Let's see if this will work. Okay, right. There we go. There's a bunch of people already in here. Let's try it. I'm going to get a bass sound. That's me in the yellow. So what I'm able to do is, by choosing a sound on the side here, I can then make my character, which is called Sneaky Sonic up here, which I'm wiggling up and down vigorously, to play that sound. And then when I press the mouse down, it's just sort of quantized. It's quantized to pitch and quantized, so it's, it's hard to get anything wrong. But it's actually strangely compelling and addictive and there are a bunch more people I did it with one or two other people in here rather than this many I find the thing the key is to try and take a, a line and make it yours rather than um, but uh, right I'm going to shut that down because I can't right this uses basically something called uh, Node.js uh, what was the other thing it uses? I'm going to have to wrote it up. It's all in browser, and this just runs on a little server. And it's a, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm guessing this is, looks like it's a prototype for something in terms of, you know, like like uh, an iPad app. You could imagine as a collaborative thing. I found that, you know, if, you were in the, if you're in there with one or two other people, you know, you can actually get some pretty good things going. There's drum sounds in it. Obviously, it could be expanded, but at the moment, it's actually a fairly basic um uh, system and it's like well, I'm just going to try. I had to shut the window there because <laughs> because it was playing. But if now if I open the window back here, so uh, basically if I go back to what we were seeing there, it's this is a Plink by Dynamo. Uh, it uses with the Web Audio API and J, Node.js, and um, they are hiring actually, which looks kind of interesting. Uh, click here to read more and apply. So there's obviously stuff. Uh, my point was with this, really, it's all going to end up being in the browser, right? It's just, I mean, it's bound to. I mean, the, being able to do this kind of thing is just merely a demonstration, a precursor of what's going to be coming up pretty much anytime soon. I don't, I, I, but anyway, but besides that, did you get a chance to play with that, Rich? I did, but I never got to the point where I understood that I could lock in a sound and then play it across that grid. I thought I was just playing sounds horizontally across a grid. I didn't realize that I could choose one of those sounds and then have that sound appear across the grid and be able to play it. Um, so you got farther in than I did. But I did get to play with it, and I thought it was interesting. And it did inspire some thoughts uh, in terms of the browser and its inevitability. It's interesting to me as I read into their websites that it seems to be optimized right now for Google Chrome. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting that people are developing for that. And uh, I, I know that Google has been wanting to integrate your web experience into a browser for a long time and has been working hard at that ever since Gmail appeared and, that, and then the calendar and the docs. And now, by the way, have you seen Google Drive? I haven't. Um, I've not tried that yet, um, but it's just purely a, it's a cloud-based file storage, right? Yeah, it's sort of a tangent to this to this whole thing, except that it does run in your browser, but it does make available the functionality that I'm about to lose and everybody else is about to lose an iDisk, and I'm sure they know that. Right, so they've just jumped At the it. end of June, everybody who's got an iDisk in Apple World is going to say bye-bye at the wow. end of June. There is no more iDisk. The only thing that iCloud backs up is uh, sets of documents from their apps 
from the iWork apps, pages, and all of that stuff. But it does not give you a general place to put your files, and but you can't that, that's, put your oh files God. there. I've not tried. So, I've not tried iDisk, but um, yeah. That, the good. Well, the good news is that uh, iCloud is free, and iDisk costs money. And um, for no money, you can get a certain amount of that functionality back from Google with Drive. Another alternative I'd been – I'm completely off on a tangent now. That's all right. An, another alternative I'd been exploring was a company called Box.net who offer a very similar kind of service and functionality. We, uh, we, and, use, we use Dropbox, actually. That's, that's a yeah, weird. I'm not that hip on Dropbox. I thought that Box.net looked a lot better to me, and I would encourage you to look at that and also to look at um, Google's Drive which is now considered an extension of Google Docs and basically extends – it'll adapt. When you get – when you sign up for and get approved for Google Drive, it'll take whatever's in your Google Docs now and just kind of import it into Google Drive, and now you'll be interfacing with all of that through Google Drive. And it gives you some amount of space into which you can upload files of your own choosing of any kind and does, share them does with that, people. Does, does that have like musical ramifications? Do you think for the collaborative stuff, or is it uh, still we're still a bit slow on the network for that? Oh, I use it all the time. I mean, for collaborative stuff, you mean real time collaboration from multiple locations? It's not really that. And I can see where this app, to get back on topic to what you were talking about originally, uh, implies a level of real time collaboration between people within a browser window. Uh, yeah, and I mean that's what to, I really. There was a French company. I don't remember the name of it. Who were making a DAW? Homeforce. Yeah, it was uh, Home Studio. Yeah, I don't think it's there yet. I mean, it seems not to have uh, surfaced in its uh, in, in its entirety just yet. So, well, the funny thing is, various forms of this have been discussed since Rocket Network in the late '90s, and uh, it all works to some degree on some level, and none of it's quite like being in the same room with somebody. So far, when it becomes like being in the same room with somebody, I'll be very pleased. Well, I, I mean, uh, I work alone a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I, I mean, that's the thing I liked about this, the fact that it was totally random and you're just jamming with anybody who comes along. I mean, yeah, you can't change, you can't change the uh, scale. You can't change any of that stuff. But uh, that sort of, sort of thing could be easily fixed. I mean, you could end up with an IRC-like structure where you go, hey, come with me over to this room. We'll make it in C and da-da-da-da-da. And maybe we'll, you know, change, mix up the sounds, you know, whatever. Those kind of things are entirely possible. I mean, this is probably early days. I mean, these guys are hiring. So there's obviously somebody putting some money into this. And it, from just from purely my part, which I don't, you know, I, as a musician, I, I, I lack confidence. You know, I don't have as much musical kind of ability as I'd like. You know, I can't just, re I can't respond in real time to what somebody else is doing because I'm not, I'm just not trained that way. So something like this actually gave me that, uh, in, in a small form, that kind of gratification of actually playing with somebody. I have no idea who they are, what's going on. And we just kind of, you know, just something happens and in real time. And it's just, it, I like that. I like this kind of, the, 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 the whole idea of that concept. Okay, well, I would suggest to you that your insecurity about your um, perhaps lack of quote-unquote chops is not really that crucial to any of this and that it's just you being insecure because it, the best kind of jams sometimes are where everybody's playing instruments that are not their main instrument that they don't normally play. So, you know, give me a doombeck, give you a wood flute, give somebody else, you know, something a guitar that he doesn't play. And then try to make music like that. And then everybody's on equal footing of oh, having yeah, yeah, to be yeah. musical without any appreciable technique. That's an interesting idea, actually. That's, uh, that, uh, that sounds like, you know, okay, pass the instrument to the left. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. Mm. And you don't get this polished kind of, you know, uh, Ornette Coleman result out of the jam. You get some other textural oddity that the three of us create or whatever. But that's the cool thing about music, and that's why I say your ability to, you know, jam with some degree of technical facility that would impress people or not is not always... Well, I guess I it's mean, the, look at, yeah, the idea of just not getting it wrong. I mean, I look have at Eno and Roxy Music. He always professed to be a non-musician. That was the deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was almost, you know, it was almost like his credit on the album was non-musician. Right. He wore it as a badge of pride, <laughs> a badge of mm -hmm. honor. That's an interesting yeah, thought. But uh, I mean, I, I thoroughly recommend that you try this out. Um, the uh, Plink by Dynamo. It, it's 
it's worth oops uh, it's that one I want isn't it it's worth spending a little bit of time on just because you find that just people kind of show up and you can you can literally just just interact in a kind of very very discreet and non non committal way. I mean, the thing it would be nice to be able to have chat and, like I say, maybe move off to a different uh, a different key or a different thing, and maybe you know use different sounds or whatever. But as a start, it's one of the first things. This because the whole collaborative side of things otherwise takes an awful lot of time to set up, and you have to kind of I've got this, you've got that, you know, we've got maybe these files that we work on together. Uh, it, this is just immediate, and it's just like you can go there and like for two minutes just kind of jam with someone and then go away and i quite i quite like that i think rich just dropped sorry. a line there that's all right no problem sorry i hit the wrong button <laughs> easily done i went to mute the microphone and i hung up on you right so we want to get some... sorry about that i haven't got any video back from you yet i have initiated it okay and take a it little. seems to be sending okay. so i think you will get it all right we'll just hold yeah, i'll tell you what if you if you give it 10 seconds and if not i'll jog it and i'll shut it off and turn it on again okay because i did okay still no video no video yet all right all right i'll i'll shut it off then and video is turned off oh i see it still looks like it's on to me anyway so there you go all right. Let's see. Sorry about that, Nick. That's all right. No problem. No, I'm still not getting it. I'm going to hang up. Maybe I'll call you back. Okay. Call me back. Very good. Let's try that again. Sorry for the delay, folks. I'm not sure what's going on here. Just one of those things. Um, I've been seeing quite a lot of uh, is Skype deteriorating. There we go. There's Rich there in his, all his glory. Thanks, Rich. Oh, and that's a much better image as well. Do I hear something? Somebody here? You're getting crossed. Uh... Hey, Jane. Yeah. Oh, okay. How you doing? I'm good. And you? Okay, how are we doing okay. there, Rich? We're back. I'm hearing TV in the background going, all right, what's, what's going that? on there? <laughs> Solar flares. Yeah, Let's Skype. Hope it's my son. <laughs> Skype seems to have been, uh, have been suffering a little bit. Actually, that's one thing that also came up, which I meant to put in the topics, but didn't get a chance. We've seen that Google Hangouts have now got an on air feature, which means that you could just broadcast to anybody. So there's no limitation. You just go, go, and it's just whoever wants to watch it. So it's going to become a broadcasting medium. So Google are making some pretty big. Um, inroads into kind of this whole interactivity and and getting your message out there and you know this kind of idea in fact the, the backbone of the presentation video for google hangouts is uh is a band just playing you know and then there's a whole bunch of people sort of saying how to cook jerk chicken and what have you all of that kind of stuff but yeah very a very cool uh development there but i should check out iDrive. i might try that um but in the meantime um do try Plink by Dynamo, and it's labs.dynamo, dot uh, com forward slash Plink. And it, it works best in the, well, it works, is it only in the uh, Chrome browser? I don't know if it only, I think I saw some comment in one of their pages that said, you know, I'm not sure if it'll work perfectly in Firefox. And all throughout their documentation, they're quick to point out that it's buggy, it doesn't fully work, there's going to be problems with it. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah. If, in fact, um, this is the really cool thing. Uh, Koshtakai in the chat room says, on air is while recording into YouTube on the fly. So you can stream it and archive it at the same time. I wonder if it'll do uh, full HD. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Interesting times, though. Uh, let's have a look. Well, this is good because we're actually, um, we're, we're nearly at my last topic. So I'm glad we sort of took a slight uh, a slight detour there because uh, it's gone a lot quicker than I'd anticipated. Um, but that's just because uh, we are so succinct, I think. What do you say, Rich? <laughs> I try to be. Uh, right. So let's have a look. What was the other thing? Oh, this was another thing. Um, I've been because I've been 
in this, you know, we're we're trying to set up the the studio here. We've got we've got our curtain track that's going all the way around. We've got all various stands. We're coming up with all these ideas to hang things up. And the one thing I am missing is a really good modular kind of just a good set of keyboard stands and things for kind of clamping onto. I couldn't find anything. In fact, what I did is I went to uh, Google and I just did a search for keyboard stand images. And I found quite a lot. And obviously there's uh, Quick Lock, there's the Ultimate, there's your X-Types. These, Some of these look pretty interesting. Um, I like the look of that one, this kind of square thing. Uh, and that's that, what I have at the studio. That's that's a, what's that? That's a Quick Lock as well, I think. It's a Z-Stand, yeah, Quick Lock. And I don't need a second tier at this. Oh, no, I do have a second tier at the studio, actually, yes. Um, but I'm just trying and to... And what I like about that as a keyboardist is that there's not something in my feet's way all the time. Damn it. Those X stands that I play on the road all the time drive me nuts because the damn X's are just... its I want a clear space under there. I'm a piano player. I grew up with a big open... And I'm always kicking into these things. I just don't like having them there. Oh, uh, really? I, I, well, they always strike me as those ones always look to me like they're made for putting organs on i don't know why it is i think it's just this old kind of fashion notion i've got because i um, my keyboard stands all come from sort of the late 80s which are they're all without <laughs> they're all x stands of some kind with various things i've got this uh you might too. Be, i've got one right here i'll be able it. to see that in the background <laughs> there um there's over there there's a quick lock yeah. which is like a stand but it's also got these kind of arms that you bolt on so you can get multiple tiers on it and i used to have it just bolted against the wall and you can get a, but you know when you got like a jp6 you know some big keyboards on there it starts to feel a little bit i'm a bit worried about that and i'm just i, I would like to find some other stuff um because i'm sure you know you can get like um there's there's things that you can make i'm trying to remember what it is it's almost like the things that you make uh uh public uh play parks and things. Uh, I've forgotten what it's called. It's like all these little kits that you allen key together with steel pipes. You can make some really cool stuff out of that. It feels like somebody needs to make something of that st sturdy nature that you could then maybe get uh, for, 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 for bolting kit on. Uh, what was it? I also saw this one over here. This was the um, uh, oh, AKA Design well, Pro Edit Modular Desk, which looks kind of interesting, but it's a bit too formal. Well, and I use an Argosy desk at Le Crib, and I like it quite a bit. I really do. Is that a bespoke thing that um, that is designed for kind of studio installations? Yeah, but it probably speaks more to a traditional mastering studio style desk than a recording studio desk, which is what I was after, because what I wanted was the central piece of my studio should be this huge video monitor that's showing me the computer and right. not a console. Because my life is not spent at a console, my life is spent at a computer, and that's how I work. So kind of like what they've got, except mine is not raised in the back like that. Um, uh, okay, you haven't got a, a shelf. I can show you. I, I don't remember what it's called, but, but you could find it. And uh, I mean, I quite like that for a desk, for a central desk for the studio. And then what I did was I have this little sidecar rack that, uh, that rolls and has beautiful mahogany like frame to it yeah. that contains a bunch of input modules that I look over as I look towards the microphone. And so the input pads are between me and the singer always. And the console is off to my side, which because I'm not mixing on it, I'm just basically routing things through it playing things through it and occasionally recording things through it. So is that and, all just uh, set at Unity pretty much? The console? Yeah. The console is generally a playback system. <laughs> it's a beautiful Neve 1971 Melbourne that's mostly playback for me. But I do use a couple of faders because I only record a few things at a time for inputs on guitars or microphones if I want to. But uh, anyway, the point is the Argosy desk serves my needs very well. Uh, and re with regards to keyboard stands, I have a bunch of pet peeves. The X stands not only have things in my way, but because I have two 88-note keyboards sitting on them, they rock side to side like crazy. Right. And it's like hitting a freaking moving target, and I don't <laughs> – I just – I got enough to worry about without trying to figure out where the keyboard's going to be in two seconds. Yeah, um, I can understand. Actually, so, um, sorry. Yeah, go on. Uh, somebody said in the chat room, I'm just going to roll back um, – 
Yeah, Koshtikai in the chat room was saying that uh, sort of like drum stands, modular drum type stands, but for bolting on keyboards, laptops, modules, controllers, that kind of thing. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Hmm. But I, I don't know that such a okay. thing exists. I, 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 when we did the thing with Robbie um, Bronneman, who was at the um, doing Howard Jones's uh, tech, you know, and he running the show, he had a kind of interesting setup. I must, I must go back and find out what that is because I didn't really check that out. Uh, I filmed it, but I didn't ask him exactly who made it because that looked more the sort nope. of thing. I think he's right though, because the drummer uh, gear now is kind of like this metal cage that you build around you. To this, it it kind of resembles the Erector set meets Lego, uh, no, meets uh, Tinker Toy kind of construction approach that you're talking about. And also, it makes sense with the, if you're thinking the drum, because, I mean, we are essentially, most of us at least, sat at a desk that is, you know, surrounding us. We're not wandering over to the studio, the rack at the back of the studio to tweak something. So it has the same paradigm, doesn't it? This sort of everything in its place sort of wrapped around you and the fact that you can adjust things a little bit. I mean, we have all of this stuff. I've got all of these kind of, these all of these things, these kind of, uh, if I go to full screen a second, mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I've got... Uh, various clips and bolts and you know what's this one this this as well you know all just these kind of like little universal arms that i'm always kind of bolting to things and then tightening up so that i can dangle things you know i mean just spending all of this time doing that for, this is for camera work and getting the shots for the reviews i'm doing what have you so it just i want something like that like little universal arms and you know that's that's what i want where is it <laughs> i think he's right though to point you towards drum hardware yeah I think that's that's probably it because that's. I think he's right. So it needs some sort of a cage, mm. or look on those sites like QuickLock and other kinds of sites like that for things other than keyboard stands. See what else they offer in that sort of erector set, you know, category. Yeah, I think I will. I think that's where I need to go, but it just it only it only came up really because of a need, you know, and, and I couldn't find anything. I just found, you know, basically the same old, same old when doing a search because if looking for kind of modular studio stands or modular keyboard stands, you don't really get it. Just gets the same the same old thing. So there must maybe I'm just not getting the search terms right. I'm not sure. It could entirely mm. be it because uh, quite often don't. Um, okay, well, I mean, that pretty much takes us to the, <laughs> the end of the list, unless there's anything pressing that you particularly wanted to get off your chest. Uh, uh, well, there was something that we glossed over very, very quickly that caught my eye that has absolutely nothing to do with Sonic Talk, but was on that uh, site with the guys with the mechanical cellos. And that was a device that propels itself forward through mechanical inversion. That's filled with helium and actually goes uh, forward. Yes, it's unbelievable. I'm going to see. Uh, yes, I've got that. I'm going to see if I can find that. Just because the thing that propels itself by flipping itself inside out. Yes, is that the one. All right, let's see if we can get that. Just as a special treat, right? That's this thing. Yeah, this, this is on pop. Unbelievable. This, this is on pop side, popular size, which is a brilliant uh, source. The, here it is. The th- thing that fly. So it's this sort of. Well, I don't know what it is. I I couldn't figure it out because I was thinking until until I knew that it was full of helium. Yeah, let's have a look. Let's let's see if we can get it. And then you got to go about two-thirds of the way in to really see it in action and realize how it's moving forward. Let's see if that will work. So this, again, is another pesto thing. Not pesto. I thought this was a cover of White Lines for a minute. Do you remember that? Grandmaster Flash. (laughs) Ah, there we go. Wow. And he's controlling with the iPhone. Oh, to have an atrium like that. See, that's where you can see it actually moving forward. Oh, yeah, 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 I see. That is just, it's like Escher, isn't it? Wow, that is mind-blowing. I like that. 
That's exactly how I described it when I posted a link to it on, uh, on <laughs> Festo, Facebook. I not said, this Pesto. blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. And that kind of made my morning. Well, it's Phil. It's, um, how light, they're asking in the chat room, uh, Redwalks, uh, sorry, uh, Rob GS asked in the chat room, how light is that thing? Oh, hold on, I need to scroll down. It's um, it's filled with helium. It's inflated with helium so that it will... Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's, it's already floating in the air, essentially, isn't it? So it's not like it's just magically flying there. Right, right. No, no. The the actual lifting of the off the ground isn't handled, but the forward motion aspect of being able to invert it and create forward motion is what is incredible to me. Yeah, that's uh, again, that's Festo, not Pesto. Though I suggest that they should actually make a Festo Pesto, um, if they ever run out of uh, if they ever run because I'm obviously they, they can't be they can't be that many people who are actually buying these things. The, and it, mechanical and, robots grinding up basil in blenders. <laughs> But it's it's funny, isn't it? This company just seems to just make these amazing things just to sort of show off their engineering ability. It seems like they do this in downtime, and it's great PR, I'd imagine. It's obviously they've obviously got smart people working on stuff. I mean, I can't imagine what you would use that thing for apart from for people to go, "Wow, look at that!" But hey, you go- don't always see that when you're developing this kind of thing. Like, in other words, who knows how... Obviously, you can't ride in the thing because it's moving constantly. Can you imagine if they made a vehicle out of it? How how motion sick you get? That's what I'm saying. You have to create a stationary platform within it in order to make it viable for that because you can't have everybody flying around all the time (laughs) as it moves. You know what I mean? So, But it's just... it's I find it fascinating. As the armchair amateur physics dude that I perceive myself to be, I think that stuff is incredible. Yeah, well, no, good call. I, I enjoyed that too. I, I, I looked, I did look at that when I was following this. Popside is a great site. This is very non-music tech, I admit, but you know, we're we're kind of riffing a little bit just because we've just got me and Rich here this week, and uh, we're having fun with it. So I, I did enjoy that. There's some great stuff on there altogether, isn't there? I mean, they've just got some brilliant things in there. Um, anyway, um, I suppose that's probably taking us now because I'm working late tonight to uh, try and finish getting the tracking and stuff up. Like I say, we've got Roland coming down with the JP50, which is one of the first ones uh, around for, to have a look at, to, sh- to show us. We've got a product specialist, and I'm going to be asking a few questions. So it's going to be along the lines of what we do with Dave Spears and Iris, like a, a kind of manufacturer presentation, but with uh, interjections from me. I'll be like the, uh, the dumb guy in the home shopping club who just kind of goes, hey, does that mean I can use it to clean my windows? Uh, and that kind of thing. Maybe I'll get a special jumper just for that particular, uh, for that shoot. But we'll see. Uh, so if anyone's yeah. got any questions um, that they want answered for the, about the Jupiter 50, um, just post them here or send them in comments or whatever. And that would be great. And incidentally, I keep forgetting, uh, we, just, we, we just launched a little Facebook uh, competition. Uh, I've just posted the Chaosolator 2 uh, review and uh, Korg UK kindly donated that to us and said, hey, maybe you could do a competition or something. So I have. So you go to Facebook, you like us, it means that you get nominated into the big pool of stuff and we'll get a random number generator and pick one of those likers uh, along the line. So far, it's gone amazingly well. It's gone much better than any other competitions we do because <laughs> I think it's so easy to enter. So um, anyway... I guess that's about it then, Rich. Thank you very much for hanging in there with me. I know uh, it's a big ask just just when it's just you and uh, my babbling foolishness. So I'm very pleased that you that you hung in there. So thanks very much, Rich. Um, my pleasure, Nick. My pleasure. And we will. Uh, you're going to be in Japan next week, right? No, I'm going to be uh, at the Miami airport next week at this time on my way to Curacao. Ah, okay. Well, have a great trip and enjoy your work there. And uh, once again, we thank Rich Hilton, Hiltonius.com, for joining us. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 256. It's a wrap. <laughs> See you later. Or or it might have been 265. Uh, it's 260? Yeah, graphic. you're right. 256. <laughs> I'm doing too many things at once again. That was Sonic Talk number 265. Thank goodness you're here, Rich. Without you, I don't know what I would do. Dyslexics of the world. Untie. Right.